There's no question that when an elephant shows up in the room, it's just weird. And often we never see the elephant, but we know the elephant's there, right? We've had these kinds of experiences, and we often don't want to talk about them. That's the whole purpose of this worship series called The Elephant in the Room, because sometimes we get disturbed in the life of the church by talking about money and generosity. Uh, it's the big elephant in the room. And even though he has left, there's still an elephant in the room. So we're going to talk a little bit about it over the next couple of weeks. And by the way, it's going to both be fun and we're going to have some experiences of the gospel and of God's presence and of God's strength as we do this together. So as I reflect on this, I'm, I'm thinking about my daughter, Sadie. She's now 19. And uh, several years ago, she got the gumption that she wanted to change her room, her bedroom, right? This happens a lot with teenagers, right? She wanted to move her furniture. She wanted to move everything in the room. And what I didn't know at the time was what I now realize, which was this would become about an every 18-month occurrence that she needed to paint and change furniture and do all that kind of stuff. Well, when it first happened, uh, she lives upstairs. We live downstairs, right? And that's the best way. Kids are just upstairs and you're just downstairs, right? So at some point, I hear her trying to move her bed or her, her chest of drawers or whatever, and you could hear her grunting and trying to, oh, oh, I can't do this and can't do that. She's talking out loud, as sometimes we do, right? And at one point, I literally heard her say, I just can't. And so I thought, well, I guess it's my fatherly duty to go upstairs and, you know, see if I can help. I didn't want to, mind you, but I went. And when I got up there, I just kind of, you know, scouted the lay of the land to try to figure out what she was trying to do and why she was trying to do it. And I just said, honey, are you, are you using every bit of your effort? Are you doing everything that you can? Are you using all of your strength? Yes, Dad, I'm doing all that I can. I said, well, I want to suggest that maybe you're not using all of your strength. And she got a little put out by that. And I just said, well, you know, your mom and I are here and we could help. You didn't ask us to, but we could help if you wanted to. And she said, oh, could you help me? And so I helped her move her furniture, and of course that began another 18 months, every 18 months doing that, right? But what she taught me in that moment was every once in a while we have this thought in our head, and sometimes we say out loud with our words, I just can't. And what we're thinking is we can't do it ourselves, or we can't do it as we are. I just can't. And it makes me in this time and season of the year think, I wonder if sometimes we think I just can't with regard to generosity. I just can't make it work. I just can't do this. I can't give that much or I can't give anything or I, I just can't. And that phraseology gets stuck in our head, doesn't it? And it's real because there's all kinds of obligations that we have, right? I mean, uh, some of our kids may be in college and that's kind of expensive. Some of our kids are involved in extracurricular that costs lots of money. Then there are those pesky bills that we have to pay all the time, right? And oh, by the way, there's inflation going on. Have you felt that at the grocery store? All of this is real, right? And so it makes us think, I'm not sure I can. I just can't. And I get it. Okay, and I've been there. I remember several years ago when we had to replace a, an entire HVAC unit in our home. Some of you have had to do that, right? That's ten dollars to $15,000 just out the window, right? You just go, oh, wow, didn't plan on that, didn't like spending that kind of money. And then two, just two short years later, we sold the house to move out here, and, and we were told by the inspector, oh, by the way, you've got to replace your roof. Hello, no, hurt, no hail damage, no, you know, we just had to replace it. Lots of money out of pocket, right? I get it. We don't always plan for these things. We don't always expect these things. And every once in a while, it can feel as though I just can't. I can't 
I can't make this work. I can't work this out. There's no possible way. Well, the beauty of our God is that God gives us a way. God helps us in many ways. And God provides for us when we don't always expect it. And so our I can't or I just can't can often turn into God can. God can work amazing things sometimes when we're least likely to expect it. And God is that sort of strength in the background and that strength that helps guide us when we didn't think we could do it ourselves. That's the beauty of our God, right? So in the Proverbs, the book uh, in the Old Testament that offers lots of wisdom, the wisdom writer offers us both some insight and some understanding today, but he also offers us a challenge. And I want to spend some time this morning talking both about the wisdom and insight and the challenge that the wisdom writer is issuing us. In Proverbs chapter 3, some of you will recognize the first couple of verses that I read because for some of us, if we memorize Scripture, this was one of those early Scriptures that we might have memorized. But then when we get further into it, we kind of get challenged by what it is the writer's talking about. So listen to what he has to say. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. That's quite comforting, right? And there's hope in that, and there's a sense in which God really is with us. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And then the writer goes on to say, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing for your flesh and refreshment for your body. And this feels good, right? Now, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Well, that sounds kind of appealing. But when I think about it, he's asking me to trust in such a way that I've got to honor God with my wealth. I've got to trust that somehow God's got a way forward. And, and it was all fine and good when it started out at the beginning that he wants us to trust God with all of our heart, right? That sounds good. It sounds wonderful. I want to trust God. I, I want to do the right thing. I want to place my hope and my faith and my trust in God. I'm there. And then he gets a little pesky by asking us to trust God with our first fruits. In biblical days, that would have been either grain or animals. It would have been the thing that helps us to earn a living, right? We, we use dollars now. I don't know if you trade in grain anymore. Do you trade in grain? I, I don't. I, I don't have animals that I raise, but I have an income, much like you, and that becomes the first fruits, the, the, first, the, the first portion off the top, the first pet or the top of the crop or the first of our earnings. Man. I liked it better when it was just philosophical. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And then I've got to figure out, can, can I do that? Can I trust God with everything? Can I trust that God will help me in this life? Can I trust that I can survive and provide for my family when all is said and done and it becomes a difficult journey, doesn't it? It's more than just a philosophical concept. Now I've got to play a tangible role here. I've got to offer something to God. I've got to place something before God. It is the gift that God invites us into. And it's actually about a relationship. It's actually about a, a way in which I better understand God in my own life. Tithing, this 
giving off the top, the biblical language of first fruits. It's literally the first 10%. It's not the 10% after I pay all my bills or the 10% after I feel flush or the 10% that I feel like I might could offer. It's the first portion. That's why in the Scriptures it would often refer to it as the first fruits. It's tithing. Tithing is an interesting concept. Biblically, it, it literally means tithing is it's about trusting. It's about trusting that God has our back. It's about trusting that I can live off of 90% rather than 100%. It's trusting that somehow God's going to provide when I commit, when I take the tangible step to be obedient. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It's hard, isn't it? But it's a tangible way to step into a relationship with God because it's quite tangible, this money, isn't it? I mean, it's what pays the bills and keeps the roof over our head and food on the table. It's quite tangible. So how is it that I can trust? Well, it's not easy, first of all, but it is achievable. And it's powerful that we get some images from Scripture from the very beginning of this trust, of this capacity to, to say, I, I'm not 100% sure I know how this is going to work, God, but I'm going to trust that you've got my back, that you will help me through this trusting experience. I think, for instance, of uh, Noah and the ark, right? Puts the animals in, closes up the ship, uh, the rain starts, and they, they go on their journey, and it rains and rains and rains, and water covers the earth, and uh, Noah has protected his family, and he's protected the animals. And then in Genesis chapter 8, we're told that the water abates, and, and uh, in chapter 8, verse 19 and 20, 18 and 19, he and his family come off the ark, and, and then the animals come off the ark. And then I'm fascinated by verse 20. In verse 20, the very first act that Noah does is he builds an ark, uh, builds an altar. And when he builds that altar, you remember what he does? He, he takes some of the animals that he just saved, that he just provided for, that he just provided safe passage for to where they needed to go. He takes some of them and makes an offering of them to God. That's trust. That's gratitude as well, right? He's thanking God that he was saved, and he's thanking God that there is a future, and he's thanking God that there will be a recreation, and he's thanking God that all will be well, and he's trusting that somehow God can make something out of whatever's left. That's trust. Man, that's trust. And then you get just a, a few short ver uh, chapters later, and you've got Abram and his son, his only son, the one that he loves, Isaac. And God says to him, I want you to take your son, the one that you love, your only son, and I want you to sacrifice him on the altar. And we often get troubled by this, don't we? It's a hard passage. But in it, we discover that Abram is not only obedient, but he trusts God enough to believe that somehow, some way, God is going to provide. And his I just can't turns into God can. I reflect on Genesis 22, verse 8, where he has a conversation with his son Isaac in which he says, God himself will provide a sheep for the burnt offering. Let's go. Can you imagine what's going through his head, how he's processing, what he's thinking, how is this going to work? But he says it out loud, I'm convinced, both 
to convince himself and his child this is the right thing to do. That's how trust works. We don't have to understand the rubrics and the how and the why. God is simply inviting us to trust that it can work. This is what the Proverbs writer is reminding us and calling us into. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And then I reflect, of course, on the, uh, the woman in the New Testament who we refer to as the widow and her might, those two little coins that were so thin, scholars say you could almost see light through them. They hadn't any value, really, and yet Jesus uses her as an example because while everybody else is throwing in their great big coins and giving out of their abundance, she's giving her all. It says in Luke, Mark chapter 12 that when Jesus saw this, he said they were giving a tiny part of their surplus. She was giving everything she had, even what she had to live on. I, I would call that trust. I would suggest that she's demonstrating and why Jesus lifted her up, that this is what trust looks like. This is how we can step into it. It doesn't always make sense. That is to say, logical sense. But it always makes theological sense because God's the one who's calling us to it. And God's the one who's providing a way. And ultimately, God is desiring for us to enter into this relationship with God because trust when you think about it, is always about relationship, isn't it? I mean, do you, do you trust somebody you don't know? Do you trust somebody you've never met? I, I don't think so. I think I trust people that I cherish and people with whom I have longstanding relationship and people that have my back just as I hope I have their back, right? That's how trust begins to work. But this generosity thing where, where God is asking us to consider how we can give and why we ought to be generous with our hearts and with our lives. That's the big elephant in the room, isn't it? Because we struggle. Because we've got obligations and we've got things that we have to take care of and, and therefore we wonder and we have fear sometimes. How's this going to work? How, how can I survive, if you will, and be generous? How can I give and still have what I need? It, it doesn't seem to make sense, but God's simply saying, trust. Elephants are an interesting analogy for this, wouldn't you say? I mean, it really is the elephant in the room because it's awkward to talk about sometimes, and we don't always want to talk about it, but I'm also thinking about elephants in general and how they get trained. Now, I don't think all elephants get trained this way, but I'm told that often an elephant trainer will use a technique from early childhood of the, of the elephant, from um, smallness, about how to remain stable and stayed. In other words, don't leave, don't walk away. You know what they do? They tie a rope, sometimes a chain, but usually a rope, and they secure it so that as a young uh, uh, elephant, they learn that they can't go anywhere, right? And they tug and they pull and they try to get away and they eventually realize, oh, that hurts. And it's pulling on my skin and it's cutting sometimes my skin and it causes pain. And so over a period of repetition, of course, what they do is they train the elephant not to pull, not to tug, not to cause harm. And eventually the elephant gets it. I, I don't want this pain. I don't want to do this. And it works phenomenally well, so much so that when they become adult uh, elephants, all the trainer literally has to do is tie a rope around their foot and, and let the rope go. They don't have to secure it anymore because the elephant has learned, I won't pull. 
because I've discovered it hurts. It doesn't even need to be secure. I just see it, I feel it, and I won't go anywhere. Isn't that fascinating? And a part of what that is is a behavior. It's a trained behavior that helps the elephant to know you don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to do anything because this will hurt. And I wonder if that's not like us sometimes in terms of generosity when we we feel as though there are so many things conditioned in our lives that prevent us from being able to be generous. And we think to ourselves, I I just can't. I I never have been able to, or I I tried once and it didn't really work, or or I don't understand it, and therefore I'm not going to try. I just can't. And we find ourselves in what I just refer to as kind of old behaviors. We keep doing the same thing, and we keep producing the same thing as well. But the Proverbs writer says, trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And the trust is fascinating, particularly here in America. Because here in America, every single one of our dollars, our currency and our coins, has a simple little phrase on it, doesn't it? In God we trust. It's right there in front of us every single day. And we're asked to trust God. Trust God with this money. Trust God with our lives. Trust God with our families. In God we trust. And yet it's one of the hardest things we have to do because it means relying on and believing that somehow God is there and that somehow God's going to make work what we clearly can't make work. I just can't, we think. Well, ultimately, trust, which tithing is all about, right? Tithing is about trust. And if tithing is about trust, tithing is really about relationship with God. I know that's not the way we normally think. But when we stop to ponder, if God wants us to trust God with everything that we've got, that's about relationship. Just like in all spiritual practices like coming to worship or or reading the Scriptures or praying to God, all of our spiritual practices are about relationship with God. They're about, how do I know you better, God? How do I understand you more in my life? How can I apply your teachings to what I'm doing? Generosity is a spiritual practice, and therefore it's about a relationship with God. And every relationship that's worthy of attention and worthy of energy and effort demands trust. And the trust we're talking about here is that tangible thing that we use to put food on the table and a roof over our heads, clothes on our back, right? Trust. I wonder, I wonder if we can make that real. I wonder if we can discover how powerful it is. If, if indeed it's about a relationship with God, that demands trust, right? The more I trust God, the more I understand how God works. And the more I've given my heart and my life and my soul to God, I realize how God loves me and wants the very best for me and wants to help me do better for the kingdom of God. You see, that trust is a fascinating thing but it's all based in relationship. Tithing is all about how I want to know you better, God, and trust that you can provide. When Jesus was talking about it, not tithing specifically, but generosity, 
Luke's gospel tells us that he, he uses this analogy that's really quite fascinating. He said, you know, a, a man is a fool or a person is a fool who builds up earthly wealth but doesn't develop a rich relationship with God because ultimately that's what generosity creates is a rich relationship with God. You talk to anybody who's taken the trust challenge, that is to say, I, I'm going to give God the tithe or I'm going to trust God with my generosity or I'm going to commit my whole self to God, they know. They know that it's built a relationship. They understand that it has helped them better relate to God. And so the question is quite simple, isn't it? Can God be trusted? Can God be trusted with our lives, with, with our families, with our money? And I want to suggest that the answer is clearly Yes, God can be trusted. God has been trusted and found worthy, right? You know that. God can be trusted. Now it's just a matter of can we trust God? I want to encourage you to listen to a powerful story of both gratitude and trust. Jim and Missy Scoggin, they're members here in the life of the church, and they tell a powerful story of how they've discovered that generosity is based both in gratitude and in trust. Listen to how they share a powerful story of trust. I'm Jim Scoggin. And I'm Missy Scoggin. And we have been members of TREACH since January of this year, 2023. You know, when I think about generosity, it kind of falls in three buckets, but there's so many other buckets that it could fall in. But when I think of generosity, the first I think of is uh, thankfulness. And when Missy and I, we've been so blessed in our lives and in so many ways, wonderful family, uh, wonderful friends, a wonderful church. And so we have so much to be thankful for. And I've always viewed uh, generosity as an expression of thankfulness. So that's one reason I think that uh, is important to us. Uh, the second one is service. And when I think about service, there's two ways to serve. Serve with your uh, person in being able to be with others and serve others. The second way to serve is through an organization or a church, in this particular case, TREACH, that we have so much confidence in and so much faith in. And by giving to the church, we see all the ways that TREACH serves and all the people, so many people that TREACH serves. And by being generous, uh, that's an expression of service. And that's an opportunity for TREACH to be able to expand whom it serves and the types of programs that it offers. And then the third, at least in my mind, when I think about it, relates to obedience. And obedience is a word that some people go, oh gosh, you know, be obedient. Well, obedience is a good thing and obedience can be a very positive thing. Uh, and I think that generosity is an expression of that obedience and generosity uh, is an expression really of of obedience, but with joy in our hearts. And, and so those are the three things that really come to mind when I think about generosity. I started playing the what if game in my mind. And I started thinking, what if the same thing happens to me? What if I am widowed early like my mom was? Or um, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? And I could tell that I was really starting to um, have a faith battle in my mind. And so I was asking, who's really in control here? Is God in control or am I the one that wants to be in control? And so um, 
I just thought uh, back on how faithful God had been, that he had uh, been with my family when I was young and growing up, and even after my father passed away, how faithful he was in helping my mom continue to raise uh, her three children. Uh, even though finances were very tight, he was very faithful continuously. Uh, and then how faithful he was in our marriage and how faithful uh, finances were very tight for us even the first 10 plus years. Uh, we were very tight with our finances and I just had to learn to um, turn it over to God and I just uh, let go and let God and I had to determine who I was going to trust. Was it going to be me or was it going to be God? And I chose God. What a powerful statement of faith. I had to determine who I was going to trust, me or God. I don't know what it's like in your life, but every time I've tried to trust myself versus God, I screw it up pretty good. But when I rely on God and when I recognize the richness of God's love for me and for the world, it makes a tremendous difference. Is it scary? It can be. But is it worthwhile? Every time. And does it pay off with dividend in terms of relationship and knowledge and understanding? Yes. What a gift that is. And so the Proverbs writer this morning had some wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And a challenge. Honor God with the first fruits of your wealth. I'm going to issue us two different challenges this morning. One of which I hope and pray will help you in your relationship with God. And that is to engage our prayer guide, our prayer guide that we provide. It's in the app, in the message notes. It's online at the church website, and there are some hard copies right outside the doors today. Use the prayer guide over the next couple of weeks to discern God's will for your life, to discern how it is God would desire for you to be generous, because we all want to be generous. I know that, but we all sometimes say, I just can't, not now, or maybe not this week or next month or next year. I just can't. And I want to suggest that if we'll trust God and prayer always helps us discern and to discover God's way in our lives. That's my invitation. That's the wisdom. The challenge is this. I want to challenge you to consider a tithe, trust, three-month period. Just three months. You can start tomorrow or you can start in the new year. But see if you could trust God for three months with a tithe, literally 10% off the top, and discover the powerful way that it helps you in a relationship with God, with your family, and with your understanding of God's nature in the world. I can tell you without hesitation that it transformed my life and my wife's life, that it's transformed everybody I've ever heard of who stepped into the tithe. It helped their heart. It helped their relationship with God, and it helped them understand God's grace and mercy even more. Try it just for three months. Can you trust God for three months? I bet you can, and I bet God will be better at helping you know that relationship than you could ever understand yourself. What a gift this could be. You know, the last book in the Old Testament is a prophet named Malachi. We don't read from him much at all. But there's every once in a while some amazing wisdom from even a prophet like Malachi. 
And Malachi tells us in the third chapter that we ought to uh, bring the full tithe into the temple treasury so that there might be enough for God's work. Put God to the test, he says, and see if God won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour down on you a blessing like you could never imagine. God's asking us to put God to the test. God's inviting us to consider whether or not we trust God with our whole heart. I wonder. I wonder if we can. I'm going to challenge us not to say, I just can't but to say with our hearts and with our minds, God can. God can. What a gift it can become. Will you pray with me? Holy and blessed God, thank you for the gift of your generous spirit that offers us life and love, forgiveness and mercy. God, you have wanted the very best for us from the very beginning of time, and you still do. Help us, God, in the days and weeks and months that lie ahead to put our whole trust in you because you really want the best and we want a better relationship. So give us courage, give us strength, and help us to discover the power of trusting in you. God, this is our prayer, and we lift it in the name of Jesus, whom we know to be the Christ. Amen. Hey, friends, for your generosity and your trust in helping make God's ministry real here, I give you thanks. If you brought a gift with you this morning, there are, of course, brown boxes right by the white columns out outside the doors, or you can scan the QR code that's on the screen, or you can text the letters TMUMC to the number 45777. But whatever you give, we're grateful. Thank you.